Hi, welcome to this episode of Hollywood Breaks. Good to be with you today. I get to be on a podcast with the world famous Keith Rao from the famous Fast Company article that's been written about him. But also Keith and I dive into other more complicated issues in Hollywood, like the mergers and acquisitions game, and really this thought of like, what's a modern movie star like? So enjoy this episode of Hollywood Breaks. Hey Keith, so I was browsing the internet and uh, I'm a reader of- Oh, you were Tim, how, how novel for you. Yeah, yes. But I'm a reader of Fast Company. I read this really oh. interesting article. You did, in did Fast you? Company. Yeah, yeah. Good for you. It's about <laughs> this uh, conservative um, podcast host that happened to be interviewing a, a recent producer of a very conservative yes. movie produced mm. by the Ben Shapiro group. Mm. Yeah. Daily Wire. Yes, I heard. Yeah. I've heard yeah. of it. I've heard of it. I'm oh, you familiar. Did you read the oh, article? Yes. Uh, I did. I think I did. Yes. Uh, oh, really? I think I know who you're talking about. <laughs> oh, wait. So you're, you read the same article as me? Because it's really yeah. interesting. They mentioned this, this host and, you know, how really his conservative values seem to be uh, great. what we're all about here. Yes. Well, I mean, uh, on the okay. podcast. I didn't mean here. It's not. <laughs> No, but seriously, man, uh, Fast Company covered the conversation you had with Dallas, which is mm -hmm. really great. Very exciting yeah. to get yes. that uh, kind of notoriety and opportunity. It is. It is. Um, and I actually appreciated what the author of the podcast is doing. There's, uh, you know, you're interviewing somebody who's produced a, a movie of with conservative values, but he does get to the heart mm -hmm. of what your, you know, what this podcast is about and what we're trying to talk about is that Hollywood mm -hmm seems to need to make a change. We're right. not just looking at like the gross ideas of what it takes to get someone in the seats mm -hmm. and IP, you know, big Marvel names or whatever are what all films should be about. There's actually a need to have a conversation in the, in the community and mm -hmm. film is a great way to have that conversation. So, I mean, I know you well, and I'm obviously just joking with you that they yeah. somehow pinpointed you and Donald Trump <laughs> in the same. Yeah. Yeah. Or whatever, I, you, I, you know, <laughs> listen, I, I appreciate First of all, the fact that he picked it out, listened to the episode, you know, he cherry picked a quote or two here, which is totally fine. That's what you got to do when you're writing and you sure. want clicks. I totally understand how the game works. Um, you know, but it was it, 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 at the same time, he also gave credit to what we did talk about in terms of the idea that it, the movie star doesn't seem to really be relevant anymore. And it does, you do get the sense that most of the people at the studios feel like a, almost like a Harvard-esque faculty room, <laughs> faculty lounge. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, that, again, is what a lot of what we like to talk about here in the idea that there are so many more stories to be told. And the fact that everything seems to be so limited to the coasts and there doesn't seem to be a broadening of what, what could work, what doesn't work. I mean, I, I know I keep referencing Kevin Getz and what he said, but it's like there's so much more that can be done that doesn't have to cost like $150 million. Yeah. Um, to Dallas's credit, they made um, shut-in for, I think, under $2 million or something like that. And you would never notice. I mean, they're little things, but I'm only because I'm a, I'm a movie guy and I know where they had to cut corners here and there. But you don't feel it. You still feel the story. You still understand the characters. And that's really all you need. And there's ways to make movies that are compelling where you don't have to spend $150 million. And I think... So that idea of like Hollywood is breaking is very well kind of summarized yes. that way. Like there are yeah. things that are changing and, yep. there's a, and there are things that aren't going to resonate anymore. 
Right. And I think that like cash grab big picture mm-hmm. item, although still relevant, obviously Batman yeah. proves that there's a yeah. lot of uh, great opportunities for the big film. I'm a bi- mm-hmm. fan of the big film, so I'm not saying I wish them away. Right. But that oppor- the opportunities that are now coming allows for a nuance because the world has changed. The pandemic has put people in different places. Mm-hmm. We, we watch films in different ways. Um, but most important, and I think probably what comes through is this thought of, can't, can't we have a dialogue? Can't we have mm-hmm. a conversation? Can't we learn from other people? Does it have to be so skewed and so off to one side that our, is what being promoted? So next week when we talk about the Oscars, I'm sure we'll be hitting on some of those highlights. Really yeah, too, yeah, exactly. Like what, what films um, yeah. we celebrate and why we celebrate them. But yeah, that's exactly um, Congratulations right. so. on the being mentioned in Fast, Fast Company, man. That's really Thank awesome. you. I, I, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an honor to be mentioned, let me tell you. <laughs> and we'll put, the, uh, we'll put the article in the yeah, show notes uh, here yeah. so people can follow it. Yeah. And uh, if you follow the link in the article, you'll bring it right back to our podcast. So you can yes. look at, listen to other episodes. And if you miss one with Dallas, it'd be a great episode. So, yep. so really great. Yeah. Great Good way times. to kind of start off the week and <laughs> yeah. uh, get things started. Happy Friday, everyone. There you go. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> you know, uh, there's plenty of things happening right now that, especially leading up to Oscar week. So we'll mm-hmm. we'll leave that for next week. Robin's going to join us next week when we yep. can do our Robin Oscar will be back. Picks. Yep. Um, but uh, you know the the Batman phenomenon that's happening. I'm really excited about that. I think that there is. Um, a new kind of view on what uh, people are thinking about the theaters. We're kind of getting back into the run of things. Um, I'm clearly seeing more people interact. Uh, I spent uh, Wednesday at Disneyland and um, it was great to see a large group of people interacting, engaging entertainment in a great way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm excited to see that return of the theatrical life and, and what's there. But I'm going to say, I don't think it's 150 million. It's still a very low score. Uh, if we were three and a half years ago, we would have called that a flop. Yes, because I, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but my gut tells me that Justice League opened to more than Batman, and that was considered a disaster. So I think we're still kind of in that realm of the COVID asterisks with a box office opening where it's like, well, it's during COVID still. And, you know, that there's a part of that that's somewhat accurate, but... Uh, I still feel like we're making excuses for other movies that necessarily three or four years ago, if they had had that opening would have been considered written off and now they're getting sequels. So there's a, there's a sense that yes, people are returning to the theater and I'm very excited about that. I love the fact that, you know, as I said last week, I've talked to people and they want to go back and see it again, which that's a conversation I have not had in a while with anyone about going to see a movie more than once. And when I pressed, they were like, well, we want to see it because it's the kind of movie you have to see in theaters. And I, first time I've heard that in a long time. So that yeah. in and of itself is a good, that, that that aspect of the conversation. Now, granted, this is a few people in the Western suburbs of Philadelphia, so don't, I don't want to apply that to the entire country. But the mere fact that there's that conversation happening after two years of like, I don't really want to see it. Have you seen it yet now? Are you going to see it? Maybe. Like, do yeah. I need to go see it again? Or just watch it on people's television sets on yeah. a streaming yeah. service. Yeah. The, the fact that that conversation is starting to evolve again and it's returning back to uh, the movies having a cultural meaning again, I think is, is, is very positive. 
in a but lot of maybe ways. Maybe we like this, to be honest. I mean, if what we're looking at is $150 million is a huge success, $80 million box office is considered a, a huge success, you can get the understanding that a $25 million um, you know, more independent film would be an amazing boom. Mm-hmm. And again, three years ago, it would be hard to even get that film in the theater to get any kind of attention to it. So this right. opportunity that we're seeing by resetting the scorecard and not looking at if it's not making a billion dollars, it's not worth it kind of mentality really is going to open up the gateways for new conversations. And that's one of the things we want to always point out here is that whatever is changing in Hollywood doesn't just pull back um, old opportunities, but also re- releases new opportunities. Um, mm-hmm. And that new Hollywood is something that we're watching come about and give birth to something new. I I love the blockbuster films. Um, it was the era that I grew up in, but I don't think I'm totally sad that if they completely go away and there's a different way of promoting film and getting people into theaters, um, it would be a bad thing. Um, although I'd say like, I think that the major corporate oversight where we've always recognized this kind of leadership list um, mm-hmm. seems to uh, not necessarily um, gone away. What's the no. deal now with... Um, HBO Max and um, and wait, what, who is merging? It's HBO Max and Discovery. Is yeah, that the it's two? Uh, Warner Warner Media and Discovery. Well, they're they're merging, but basically AT and T is siphoning off that part of their business and basically giving it to Discovery, and they're becoming one company called Warner Discovery. It's Discover Which Warner. It's I, terrible. One name. of the biggest <laughs> issues that. I mean, it was only two years ago that launching yeah. everything as HBO Max was a major right. brand crisis. And yep. now they're going to attach. Could they so, make it more and more difficult for people? Yeah, to I guess the CFO <laughs> of, I, I can't remember if it was, Dis- it might have been Discovery, um, came out and said, yeah, we're eventually going to merge the two. So HBO Max and Discovery Plus, which are their two DTC services, into one. I mean, that looks like a hodgepodge because you've got. HBO Max, which has started to kind of get a little bit of recognition, they're they're definitely trending upwards. I think, yeah. even though Project Popcorn, which was their um, dumping of all their twenty twenty one releases onto HBO Max, was widely derided for for some good reasons, it obviously helped HBO Max in a lot of ways, um, and it's brought a lot of attention to it. As a fact that HBO is still putting out dramas that are just zeitgeisty and get the attention and people want to subscribe. So they're trending upwards. I'm sure Discovery Plus is doing well. I don't really have their numbers in front of me, um, but it's very, it's just, it, they're just two, I almost feel opposite poles. Like, cause you have HBO Max, which is like serious drama and Warner Media, Warner Brothers films, which more often than not are yeah. more edgy, not necessarily yeah. family friendly. Could be more dark, exactly. More dark. And then you've got Discovery Plus, which is, Flip or flop, or you know, this old house, or you know, house hunters, and <laughs> like yeah. all this, all uh, you know, reality TV, which it, you know makes sense. There really isn't a lot of reality TV on HBO Max, so it could be a nice mix. But it's just the tone of it. Um, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, you know, it, it's funny because I think like the next day he came out and said, "Oh, this is going to take some time," because I think everyone was like, "What? How are you going to make that work?" <laughs> so. Um, It'll be interesting to see what happens. You know, they've started talking about the structure. It looks like it's going to close, I think, uh, later. In, I, I feel like April of 
or May of 2022, um, the deal's going to close. And then I think we'll have a better sense of where David Zaslov's head at is in terms of the structure of the company, whether or not Anne Starnoff will stay, um, what's happening to Toby Emmerich and Warners. And, you know, we'll, we'll get a sense of in how the discovery people are going to work into all that. And I kind of feel almost for the Warner media people because they went through a rough couple years with AT&T because where there's a lot of belt tightening, a lot of layoffs. And there it looks like we may be heading to that again because Discovery's projecting 3 billion with a B cost savings in this merger. And that's not all just going to be, you know, because there's going to go from two TPS reports to one. (laughs) There's going to be a lot of overlap of employees who are going to get shown the door. Which is never a good thing. Yeah, I mean, whenever there's a merger like this, there's always that shakeup. Yeah. Um, but the the thought process really is like, can will this be better? Will the big picture really play itself out? Mm-hmm. I really feel like this has a lot of um, throwback to the BoJack Horseman Corporation, the uh, <laughs> AOL Time Warner Halliburton <laughs> Trader <laughs> Joe's, whatever was it? AOL <laughs> Time Warner, PepsiCo, Viacom, Skynet, Toyota Trader Joe's, right? Yeah, like this. We're really kind of like, can what it, does one corporate entity bringing in another corporate entity really create a bigger, more powerful situation? Yeah. Is cost savings really what it's about? Mm-hmm. And the curiosity to me is just how different the brand can be in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. And then to try to put them together in one box. I'm not really yeah. sure um, if I understand how those connections are going to be there. It is interesting because you feel like this all started because in my in my mind, this is, this is kind of started with Rupert Murdoch realizing I can't compete with Netflix, Apple, Amazon, with those kinds of their bottom lines and their, you know, their income streams, unless I get bigger. So then he goes after Warner, Time Warner and Jeff Bukes is like, no. And then Bob Iger's like, hello. So he picks up the phone and is like, hey, Rupi. And Rupi's like, yes, let's do it. And then that's sort of like what the vibe was like, you got to get bigger. If you're going to compete with Netflix, you're going to compete with Apple. The only way to do that is scale. But now it seems like the conversation is starting to shift a little bit because you have Peacock, Kelly Campbell coming out this week, I think. And she said, you know, we're not, we're not, this isn't a race to spend. We're about quality, not quantity. Wait, Peacock said that? Okay. Yes. Just make sure. Well, she's new. (laughs) Give her some time. She's new. Come on, Tim. Be nice. Okay. I'll be Um, nice. So that's a shift a little bit. And, you know, Bob Backish came out and said, well, we're not going to release a movie a week. We're going to release a movie like every other week. So it's starting to become this conversation where we don't need to spend because I think everyone is now realizing that Wall Street is like, wait a minute, this isn't sustainable. Mm-hmm. You guys just can't spend billions upon billions of dollars and not let us see, you know, show me the money. Like, where are you making money on this? You can give me all these loss leaders and say you're going to have five years of income losses and, and then, oh, well, by 2029, we'll be in the black. You know, that's the, I don't know if Wall Street's buying that anymore. And you can see it shifting. Yeah, and I think feel like the last couple of years has been like just a sugar high of like yeah. a subscriber run and build, build out. I mean, yep. there was an unusual situation where people aren't going to go anywhere. So, of course, they're running towards subscribers. But now yep. that you have a market that's changing, people getting back to work, theaters opening up, other mm-hmm. venues that people can go to, and inflation. Right. All of that's going to change buying behavior, subscription behavior. So, of course, you have to start right now being proactive and create a different narrative of what it's about. Yep. And quality, I mean, I almost feel like they've been listening to our podcast, right? Can we actually have something of quality? Can we focus on that instead of it just be a money run or a subscription run? Yeah, it seems like the Netflix um, model 
is sort of being looked at as like, well, maybe they're not the way to go. They got us into this game, but maybe the way they're doing it isn't the way we should do it. It's interesting, within like a day of each other, Matt Baloney had a piece on um, what I'm hearing where he talked about how the, 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 the narrative on Netflix isn't as positive as it was two years ago. And then the Ankler had entertainment strategy guy who came out and said the drip drip of like Netflix sort of going like this. Now they're still dominant. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, sure. But this past week, the top 10 movies, they only had two. Which, considering how much they churn out, that's not great. So, I think there's this idea that maybe we should start looking at a way to not necessarily the content spend and just content, content, content might not be the way to go. And with Disney announcing that they're potentially looking at an ad-supported model, which a lot of people have determined that Bob Chapik is not is not going to be able to meet his promised numbers unless they drastically increase subs, which means sure. a lower price tier, which is funny because their price tier is already pretty low. So it's, But they also it, experiment with Hulu that way. I think they have the Hulu yeah. data to prove that, okay, we're not going to lose people or we can gain people by doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And with uh, Peacock and other apps in the in the field, it, it probably makes sense. I just feel like I when cable came about, it did the same thing, right? You had mm-hmm. these exclusive non-commercial channels until it didn't make sense anymore. And then everybody had commercials on their channels. Right. Um, we're going to see that same thing with subscriptions. The downside exactly right. and the unfortunate side of us buyers is we basically got rid of one entire platform <laughs> that had those on them, just to replace them with another platform yeah. that slowly goes back to the same. Place. We went back to the same platform. Yeah. And it's just commercials. I'm and- curious, like if uh, the if Amazon's model is going to be a little bit different because Amazon doesn't necessarily have to have commercials. Although I feel no. like they did what they did to IMDb. I hate that you know their takeover there. I think that IMDb mm-hmm. is now what used to be a great resource just to look up things or whatever is now way too commercialized. Yes, it is. Um, I agree. But Amazon has a different platform. And a different mm-hmm. buying structure, consumer structure, than having to commercialize between, you know, different uh, different shows that they have going on, mm-hmm. and even just the navigation through their platform gives a sense that they're going to be about something else. So I think their move with MGM might be something else to watch because they're a very different player than the Disney Plus and Nets Netflix models, where it's get people locked in and try to have this be the television network for them. Yeah. I mean, as Cameron has said when she's been on, it's all about keeping people on the platform. Don't want you to leave. Everything you have, you could possibly want is here. You want to shop, you can get that. You want to eat, you get that. You want groceries, guess what? We have that too. So it's all that they just want everyone to be on Amazon all the time. And I think the fact that MGM announced, or sorry, Amazon last night, yesterday announced that their MGM deal is closed officially. Um, there's a town hall today to sort of walk through what that looks like. I'm curious to see just as a film guy, um, you know, Mike DeLuca, who was the head of new line. I worked at new line. He wasn't the head when I was there, but, um, he's created so many of the legendary movies that, you know, we know of from the heyday of new line. Um, so I'd be interested to see what happens to him and his Lieutenant Pam Abdi, who's also, um, a great executive, uh, to see like where they end up in the whole Amazon net, you know, area. And then now they have yeah. bond. Um, so it's going to be interesting how, how that all works, because I think Amazon is still trying to figure out what this looks, what this is and what it looks like. Again, we're still talking about 
tech companies trying to be like studios when the cultures are clashing there's a lot of you know differentiation you know tech mantra is fail fast and that's not a studio <laughs> mantra at all right. so it'll be interesting to see like how this all works but i think you're right it's Amazon is playing it a little differently because I think their their game is almost similar to Apple TV, where Apple TV is just like, we're in no hurry. We're in no rush. We'll just take our sweet time. People will come to us. Hey, Brad Pitt, here's $200 million to make that movie you've always wanted to make. Yeah. And it's just – and Amazon, you know, they, they grab their movies. They have their little movies that do well and whatnot. But you never feel like it's the only thing driving them. Because you have to understand that Amazon is a consumer goods company for all intents and purposes. Yeah. And, and they present the films in that way. It's, yeah, we have a platform. Exactly. You want to watch a movie? Yeah. I feel like when I'm on Amazon, I'm at Blockbuster Video, right? And I basically have chosen <laughs> to go do yep. a, a thing. Uh, although it's on my television set, right? I don't have to leave my house to do it. Mm -hmm. um, and it's almost like the theatrical model. Like I'm taking the moment to do it opposed to the other platforms, they constantly want you to be watching their minutes or they're producing more yeah. and more content just to prove that the, you know, how many minutes you're on their platform works. Right. Which to right. me, like that, that business model seems very foolish. It's like an inverted yield curve of like how fast you consume it is you can, you know, you consume $200 million in two hours. That's, that's crazy. <laughs> you know, like, right. and Netflix can do that. You can, in two hours, you can consume $200 million worth of production value very, very fast. If yep. they could slow down some consumption, consumption, I'll still might retain my subscription to it, and actually find some product I want to watch. Um, but yeah, this to me there are some different models. Uh, you brought up Apple, and I think of Apple's studio more like what New Line did. Like they actually had a point of view. They have specific things they want to back. They have a certain quality they want to to, mm. uh, to be about. So That's they don't true. have to be a large studio and just produce something everywhere for everyone. They're really being consistent with who they are as a brand, but yep. it is a slower growth. They're not. Yes. They're basically going to win if it's not going to be about you know how much content you have. Yeah, they're going to do just fine. Yeah, they're um, yeah they're 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 not. You know, it's funny because they don't really shove a lot of their executives in front of glossy profiles and Vanity Fair or Variety or Hollywood. You don't see a lot of that. They're very quiet about what they're doing. You know, you see announcements as I mentioned about the Brad Pitt movie. But they're mostly quiet about it. And they're just like, we're just going to keep doing our thing, making our own stuff. And yeah, you know, we'll just keep on keeping on. And we're going to protect the Apple brand because that's most important to us. And we're not going to get involved in sort of hours consumed like Netflix and subscribers and all that stuff that, you know, all the other guys are getting lapped up in. It's almost like everyone has been fighting about content spend. And Apple's just sort of like, you know, we're going to focus on quality. We're just going to take our time. We're not going to churn out a movie a week. It's not what we're about. We're just going to take it nice and slow. And I, I think maybe in my head, it's a learning from the roadshow or the big, the big rollout, not a roadshow, but the big rollout they did when they announced Apple TV and they had all these stars and directors and mm -hmm. Oprah and Spielberg and all these people. And it was just sort of like, whoa. And then all of a sudden everyone's like, well, where's all this stuff? So I think mm -hmm. they've learned that, well, maybe we shouldn't be doing what they're doing. Let's do what we know and how what we know to do. And that's just focus on sort of the product itself and just let people find it. I mean, that, let's be honest. That's what kind of happened with the iPhone. It's happened with the iPod. It just sort of started with people like discovering and then like, I can't live without this. 
Yeah, it reminds me of the Simon Sinek uh, TED Talk when he talked about Apple. Yeah. And he said, hey, where people want to change the world, want to watch a movie? Yeah. And it feels that way, doesn't it? It's like, hey, we're, yeah. you know, it's not like, you know, consume the movie, consume the movie. We don't even care what it's about. It's, no, where people want to change the world. And we make movies. Would you want and to watch it? we make movies. Yeah, I, exactly. I, I do feel like their brand is, I mean, their platform is a little lame. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I've never rented a movie from their platform or purchased one yeah. from their platform because it's more expensive. I get the same product. And therefore, I have a library on my Amazon, in my Amazon account that I don't have in my Apple account. And they haven't right. necessarily developed a loyalty for me to buy movies or rent movies on their platform so I, so that I have a reservoir and I need that keep that subscription going. Well, it yeah, it's interesting because if you look at sort of the, I had a conversation with someone about this last night because they were asking about Apple TV. <laughs> so if I get Apple TV, can I watch, um, you know, this movie I want to, can I watch Ted Lasso? And I'm like, well, hold on. Apple TV is the actual hardware. <laughs> That's yeah. the box you have to buy. Apple TV Plus is where you get Ted Lasso. He's like, wait, mm -hmm. what? So there's like a lot of. But you don't need around. the box to have. You, yeah. No, I, I mean yeah. it's it's very confusing. Which you they, can watch on your Roku. I wish they would have done something similar to what they've done with like Apple Fitness, Apple Arcade. There's very distinct delineals between what you get. But then Apple TV Plus, it just, it wasn't, it, mm -hmm. I don't think it works because it's like naming it after a hardware and then you expect people to go find it. A lot of people can't find it. And Where there's something a like lot. like iTunes is, or I guess it's about music now, but um, was something to say like, oh, this is a software package that delivers right. goods separate yeah. from the, the hardware, the hardware right. that you were listening on. So And that, that, that's sort of the big disconnect. And their platform is confusing. I mean, luckily I'm technically adept, so I can guide it. But I guarantee you someone who's not familiar with how to get through it all, it's it's confusing. Yeah. It's really yeah. confusing. You're like you click on the Apple TV and then you get all these other shows like from other apps that you've been watching. And then down below you see Apple Originals. It's like all, you know, it's just like, wait, what? I, I mean, if you don't understand how the ecosystem works, then you're going to have trouble finding it. So I think... They have a lot of, I, I would imagine, discoverable issues, like people finding the shows. Um, I think Ted Lasso was a hit just because people stumbled on it in the midst of a pandemic, and it felt like a big warm hug in the midst of us all sure. being locked in our homes. Otherwise, I don't know if anyone would have found it. Well, they so, also have that ability to promote at the top of the screen, right? Yeah. So that that when they put Ted Lasso there, it's easy to find. If it wasn't there, right. yeah, you're if right. If it wasn't there, you wouldn't find it. it. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. But it is interesting how a tech company, specifically like Apple, is dealing with with uh, the, their product line. Where Amazon, mm -hmm. to totally different consumer base or consumer experience to go get a film. Me as a viewer, I feel differently about the product, even though at the end result is it's the same film on my t TV set. But yeah. what it takes to engage the brand to walk through it. Right. So right now, if I had a choice between an Amazon model, an Apple model, or a Netflix model... And I, I was thinking about doing something special with my family, like let's sit down and watch a film together. My, the first place I go is Amazon. It's just mm. the way my brain says, I think we're gonna go, we're gonna go do something together. Yeah. It makes it feel yeah. like an activity opposed to I have to navigate something <laughs> to get there. Or, <laughs> you know, Netflix always like, I don't know what I'm gonna watch. Let's try on Netflix. Yeah, yeah. definitely nothing there. Let's figure out something else. Yeah, it's interesting because if you think about like um it's a, you funny you bring up the where you go first because 
the entertainment excuse me entertainment strategy guy his article that came out the Ankler yesterday which I encourage everyone to go find and read it's fascinating he really dives into the data and he wrote a little a little blurb about how people aren't necessarily going to Netflix like the all the thought was you start at Netflix like when people sit down what are we going to watch the first question was what's on Netflix so you go to Netflix but now with more competition that's there people are starting to go somewhere else like what's on Amazon or mm-hmm. hey what you know what's on Apple TV or what's on Peacock well does anybody really say that no what's on <laughs> HBO Max or yeah. what's on Paramount Plus you know uh so I think the idea that um, Netflix is the dominant force is slowly eroding. But to your point, like once the comparison begins, that's when some of the, you know, those UIs and how easy it is to find content and how can I find my shows is going to start to play an even bigger role, much like, you know, in the cable battles of the 90s, like, well, what show do they have? If they have this show, I want that. Fortunately, in the, fortunately for the cable companies in the 90s, it was a lot harder to cancel. Whereas with the streamers, it's a lot easier. You can cut and then jump back on and then cut when you're watching a season, um, which is obviously the churn of it all. And they want to try to reduce that as much as possible. Um, but it's interesting that you you go to Amazon first because I, you know, yeah. most people would say, oh, no, I go to Netflix. But as you can see, you're a perfect case in point of what the entertainment strategy guy was arguing in that. Netflix isn't always the first first choice. Yeah, and then if if Cameron wants to actually give us some money for promoting her her brand, we'd be happy to take it. No, I'm just. Kidding. I'm sure she'd be happy to do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think there is. I'm, you know, from from our point of view, what we share here is movie going is an experience, and yeah. that's something we we love to share, and we want to share it with other people. And we want to engage people as we do it. We want to dialogue about it. So I think the nature of what I'm looking for as a consumer has to have that approach to it as well. Yeah. Um, I even feel like, is it weird to think of like when I hear that Netflix produced a film I, that I even like, I, it, it's obviously I have a different filter than a lot of people. Yeah. But I almost feel like, well, yeah, sure. But that's not, that's not a film. That's a Netflix thing. But if you were yeah. to tell me that Apple produced a film or Amazon produced a film, I'm like, oh, okay, sure, I, I'll watch that in a the theater. But a Netflix film, I don't know. If I just if you said, hey, I, there's a Netflix film in the theater, I don't, I'm like, I don't, I don't think I'd go to that. Um, but I went to see uh, Meet the Ricardos, and that was, you know, that wasn't Warner Brothers or Disney that produced it. It's interesting because you you Netflix and Amazon actually release their movies in theaters. Apple, as far as I know, does not. I know, yeah. I mean, other yeah. than Coda, because they had to do for Academy consideration. But other than that, they don't make a regular habit of it. Neither does Netflix, really. But um, it, it, I think it that would be the one thing I'd like to see more of is the the streamers putting movies into theaters. Um, you know, just because if there's a movie that feels like it needs to be seen in a theater, then put it in a theater. Like, yeah. Especially if you're a company like Apple, who, come on, you've got barrels upon barrels of cash. A two-month release of Coda in theaters is not going to destroy you. If anything, it'll increase your bottom line and probably make investors be like, ooh, they're actually making money on this. Um, versus just being a, a prestige play to win an award. Yeah, I saw the Adam Project. I think that's the one that struck me. Who produced the Adam Project? Because um, that's the one I was like, Oh, wait a second. Oh, yeah, that is, I think Ryan, Ryan, Ryan Reynolds produced it with Sean Levy. 
who I, I, um, it was a Netflix release though, and that's yes. the one I, I saw recently where I thought to myself, oh wait, Netflix makes movies. I don't know. If there's that. No, of course, I know. <laughs> but, Netflix uh, makes decent movies. Well, I, I wanted to. I kind of wanted to see the film, right? My, I was watching right. some with my kids. I'm like, hey, let's watch this one. Um, so, in that case, I was looking for the film, and then surprised at the platform. Opposed to, I often when I think of Netflix, I'm on the platform, and then going, oh, okay, they have some garbage I can plug into. Well, interestingly, I, I have a question for you because I'm going to tie this into something. But what attracted you to the Adam Project? Or your kids in specifically? Because it looked like it was fun or? It was a podcast that I heard Ryan Reynolds on. The uh. Jason Bateman podcast. <laughs> oh, um, right, right, right. Yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, uh, Smartless. Smartless, and, uh, yes. And just clever. I mean, I, I laughed for the entire episode of that podcast. And mm-hmm. so um, with that, uh, I can't remember what the conversation was. Uh, Katie and I were listening to it, uh, that conversation, or the podcast, we were laughing about it. So then when we saw that, we're like, okay, that's the Ryan Reynolds movie. And that's probably what. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because it felt like a lot of their materials leaned into the nostalgia factor. Like this It, it is did. Movie, yeah. The movies we remember from the 80s, like, yeah. you know, all these great kid adventure movies and it has heart and people were posting pictures of uh, Jennifer Garner and Mark Ruffalo together again after, you know, 20 years since 13 going on 30. And it's like, it was all yeah. this nostalgia. It was, it was pretty fun that way. They definitely played that up. I think that yeah. they, they all liked it. Um, the downside is, and listen, I'm somewhat of a conservative person myself. I thought there was a little too much, just like bad language. And I have ah, grown kids. It's not like I'm too worried about that. But it right. was like foolishly thrown in there unnecessarily. I think that's Ryan Reynolds' humor. And you're like, gosh, you could have just had a movie about nostalgia. That that 80s movie that came out at around Christmas time, uh, 8-Bit Christmas or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, hit that. It made me uh, laugh more about nostalgia and the Nintendo yeah. or whatever than yep. the Adam Project. But, but very fun. Great concept. He, yeah. He's very humorous and, uh, you know, the cast was really great. He's just, he's so entertaining. Like, even though I I don't feel like he drastically changes characters from movie to movie, it's just, he's so good. And if you yeah. want to see him in a really great, hilarious role that I think is often underappreciated, I would I would rent or watch Waiting. It's, it's, it's him and Justin Long, and it is hysterical. And it's, yeah. I don't think it gets, I mean, it's, you see Ryan Reynolds for like how brilliant he can be on screen because he's just yeah. so the sarcastic and the way he plays off people. Well, we could say it's into the movie star, but he is the modern movie star, right? There are people like yeah. him that understand he's into marketing. He's doing this whole right. thing with Jin. He's, he's having fun. He plays his character. Yeah, it's more than just what movie I'm in. There's yeah. more beyond that. Like, it's just, yeah. you know, I have this firm. I'm going to you know, make these random commercials on the drop of a hat and I'm going to be responsive to what's happening in the culture. And he does all these things. And it's like, oh yeah. And by the way, I still act. Yeah. And a clever so, way. And a clever way. Exactly. Well, it's good to be on a podcast with one of the most conservative <laughs> podcasters on the planet. <laughs> no, I'm just. <laughs> great. Uh, no, oh, just, that's I, just I just great. love that one line. It just makes, this cracks me up. I'll take it, whatever. Uh, I know. But if you're yeah. interested in no hearing secret. more from the uh, the world famous Keith Rowell of Hollywood Breaks, um, then he also has a website, Vision Craft Brew, and he has a, a newsletter, Founders Brew, which are great um, perspectives of what's going on in Hollywood, having that same dialogue and conversation. 
And Keith also mentioned the Ankler. We love the Ankler and the and the things that they provide. Um, so mm-hmm. subscribe to those as well if you like this thinking and want to learn more about Hollywood. Um, there's a lot of great resources out there um, beyond our awesome podcast that's doing. The but there's only one Hollywood Netflix. breaks, Tim. Just make sure you. <laughs> there is only one Hollywood breaks. <laughs> and coming up next week, Robin is back. We're so happy to have our friend Robin back. Yes. Robin Geisen returns for our spe- yes. our first I think our first ever Oscar episode. I don't think we've ever done one before. You mean Oscar prediction episode? We've tried yeah, prediction the episode. Good. F- yeah, for have no fear movie. everyone. It won't be four and a half hours. It'll be <laughs> our typical 30 minutes. So don't worry. And we'll only get we'll probably only we're gonna do the, the only the, the the categories everybody cares about. So there yeah. won't be any major controversy about costume designer. I don't think we'll really talk about it. we'll leave that to the academy. We'll focus on yeah. the big ones. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, my friend. Good to see you, and I'll see you next week. Good to see you. See you next week.